As we come into our season, it's always a challenge as a pastor um, to enter into the Christmas season and say, okay, what's our Christmas message going to be about? Because really, there's a Christmas story, right? Okay, God sent His Son, Jesus. That's why we sing Emmanuel, Emmanuel. That means God with us. So God sends His Son, Jesus, down here. Um, and, the, and the goal of, uh, no, no, the mission of Jesus, He knows before He leaves heaven, is He's going to come down here in the form, uh, in our humanity, Fully God himself, but with us. He's going to be raised up. He's going to live a perfect, uh, unsinful life. Then he's going to be crucified for our, our sins. And then he's going to be buried. And then God is going to raise him from the dead. And then you and I are going to celebrate Easter. And then we're going to give our life to Jesus and say, we love you because you loved us while we were sinners. And then we are going to get involved in the mission of heaven. And we're going to do this. He, uh, Christmas is the time where we say, this is when we want to celebrate his approximate birth. Now, if you were here last year, you know, you can only tell this story so many different ways. So we're going to weave the story through the Christmas season. And behold, the Christmas season is upon you. It's here. Suddenly, we had Thanksgiving. I told you last week we were going to show up today and say, guess what? It's December. Suddenly, it's December 2018. And here we are. I, for one, believe wholeheartedly that Jesus was born in and around October, in the fall. I think it was probably very, very close to the 4th of October. For I don't know why. That just comes over me sometimes when I'm thinking about Jesus being born. Uh, it does happen to be when I was born as well. Um, but, you know, I just, I just feel it. I just feel it, you know. Shepherds were out in their fields with the, with the flocks. They don't do that in the middle of the winter time. They do it in the summertime or in the fall. And so there's all of these things that point to either October or March, okay? If you're born in March, you can go with March, okay? Uh, I'm going with October, but for whatever reason, it was set up in December. So let's just go with it. <laughs> Who cares if, if this was the, the month or not? We are here to celebrate the birth of our Savior. We are remembering Him coming as a baby, God with us. And let's just be honest. The volunteer party is tonight, and then there's a, a, a board party, and then there's a staff party, and maybe you've got work parties, and every time you turn around, there's a party going on, and it's like, wow. And then some of you started in October. You're probably going to burn in hell, but you set up your Christmas tree in October, okay? And that is wrong. There is still Halloween, not that we celebrate that particular day, but All Saints Day on November 1st. We can do that. And then also there is Thanksgiving, a time of giving thanks to God. Why would we skip that to get right to, to Christmas? I mean, come on. Um, and so you did that. But the long and the short of it is you begin to set up your Christmas. Christmas in my house is not allowed to start until after Thanksgiving. It's a law. It's unwritten, but it is a law. We will. Thank you. Thank you. This woman right here will lead you to heaven. Okay. I just want you to know that. Okay. Some of you are like, no, that lady's wrong. She will lead you to heaven. Listen to me. The day after Thanksgiving and sometimes even late the day of Thanksgiving, um, out comes the Christmas tree box and up it goes. And for some reason, we honestly, this is what it looks like at Christmas at my house right now. This is what it looks like in my living room, okay? And so Christmas is there. The Christmas tree is up. The little Christmas tree things are going on. When I was taking a picture, my wife said, don't take a picture yet. There's no lights on the hearth yet. See, there's rules. She has rules. I have rules. Um, up goes Christmas, and it's beautiful. And let's just be honest. That's Christmas, right? 
People start posting on social media their beautiful trees and their like 900 place setting table for where their family's coming for Christmas dinner and all the crystal and the fine china and whatever else is going on there. And for some reason, we think that Christmas is like that for everybody. Behold, Christmas. There it is. I'm just going to be honest with you. That kind of Christmas only shows up for five minutes after the kids have gone to bed and everything has been picked up and put back in its place. As soon as the kids wake up, that is not what Christmas looked like in my house ever again. Okay? It just doesn't. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a facade. It's a facade. I'm not saying we don't enjoy it and its lights and everything. I'm just saying if you're thinking, oh, wow, why can't we have a Christmas like that? We never had a Christmas like that. We raised five kids. Our Christmas was never like that until after they went to bed and my wife cleaned up a little bit and then she would sit down and go, isn't Christmas beautiful? And it's like, yes, as long as they're sleeping, it's magnificent. But, and there is something for those of you still raising children, I want to just share this with you. There is something to be said for the twins coming home. And I very rarely ever use that phrase. The twins, they are James and John. They are not the twins. But there is something to be said for the twins coming home and their mama saying, okay, we're going to put the tree up now. And I'm like, yeah, boys, get that thing up. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, can I have some more cranberry juice? I'm going to sit over here and watch. See, that's why we raise kids. So they can do these things. It's not slave labor. It's being a part of the family. Okay? It's pulling your fair share of the weight. But let's just be honest. It's Christmas, right? Behold. What a word. Behold. I came in this morning and I, I purposely stayed away from the worship center. I'd seen what they were doing out there. But I always want to see what happens here. And I just think Jessie and her team did just an absolutely magnificent job. <laughs> I mean, until, until you saw it this morning on Facebook, if you were up that earlier, until you walked in here, did you walk in and go, oh my word, wow, behold, behold, Christmas is upon us. What a word. Usually when you hear that word in the Gospels, it means something absolutely magnificent is about to happen. It's, it's usually coupled because um, somebody needs to get your attention. It's usually an angel. But it means something magnificent or supernatural or absolutely amazing. Depending on what version you look at, it's used six times in the book of Matthew and eight times in the book of Luke. Behold, behold, behold. It keeps, it keeps coming. So if I say to you, behold, do you have to, inside of my soul, I want to say, do not be afraid. See, because that's usually what it's coupled with when the angel says, behold, and he appears in front of somebody and it says something to the effect that they fell down frightened or something. He says, do not be afraid. So when I hear behold, I want to say, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. And so that's what I want to look at. But actually, behold is an archaic term. It's a very old English term. And what it, what it means is, observe, see, look. I need your attention for something. And so as we go into this series called Behold, just, just kind of bear that in mind. God is trying to get a hold of our attention. So look at me, look with me, excuse me, if you will. Look with me in Luke chapter 2. My favorite particular part of the Christmas story right here in the book of Luke um, is my go-to for when I need the feels for Christmas because I'm not feeling it yet. But here we are, and, uh, and, and we're going to look at something. We're going to get kind of deep into the Word a little bit. But look at here, it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. 
See what's going on there? The baby's been born. The angel shows up to the shepherds that are watching the flocks by night. We sing about that. And they're out there in the middle of the night, and the angel shows up. And I love what Luke does here, because you've got to look at this two different ways. When you look at that passage, Luke says to who he's writing to. Remember, Luke is writing the book of Luke to a man named Theophilus. Luke is a Gentile. Just for the record, can I just share this with you? Luke is not an apostle. Okay, so when somebody says, who are the 12 apostles? Or when you see something on Facebook that says, who are the 12 apostles? And it says, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke is not an apostle. Okay, he's a gospel writer. He's a Gentile that came to know Jesus in Acts chapter 16. And consequently, he wants to lead his friend named Theophilus to the Lord. And so he writes something called the book of Luke. And he writes something called the book of Acts. All to see uh, Theophilus come to a salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And so... Um, I, I like what, uh, what Luke does. Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he says, Behold! The angel of the Lord showed. The angel of the Lord didn't say, Behold, the first time. Luke said it to Theophilus. He's writing along, and he goes, Behold! Hey, hey, Theophilus, check this out, dude! That's what he's saying. Look at here, man! The angel of the Lord said, Look at here, man! So he's saying, Dude, check it out. The angel of the Lord showed up and said, dude, check it out. That's what it means. Can I have your attention? Could you look? Can you see what's going on? This is, don't be scared. This is, I'm bringing you good news of great joy that's going to be for all people, not for all Jewish people. For all people. Because that was the promise that God made to Abraham. The law that he gave to Moses wasn't meant for you and I. The promise that we live under came to Abraham. I will make you a blessing to all nations. And so this is what's going on. And somehow we just need to scream behold instead of look. Look! We need to scream behold! It just sounds a whole lot more Christmassy. I need some Christmassy stuff, man. Behold! It says behold. I'm just going to tell you for a split second there, Jack, I'm, I'm, I love what you do up here. But when it went pink, I thought I was going to like a little girl's hairdressing party. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. I thought it was like steel magnolias at Christmas time. What, what are we doing here? You know, but I like this. I like this a lot. Behold, how are you feeling about Christmas? <clears throat> this year, 2018. Man, I've seen a lot of Christmases. This is my 58th Christmas. I love Christmas when I can get into the Christmas spirit. Until I can get into Christmas, it's like, oh, man. What do I need to focus on, God? Where do I need to be? Because Christmas is not all glimmer and glitz. Sometimes it's tough, man. Sometimes it's another day for some people. I don't know. But I'm thinking about the, the people of Christmas, the Christmas season. Have you ever thought about the people of the Christmas season? There's those people, and you know who you are. You did that whole October thing, put your tree up. You're like, oh, yeah, it's on. It's Christmas. It's happening. I mean, you're out there. You're conquering the store. You're Black Friday shopping. You're getting presents. You, you have choked up Amazon online for the rest of us that did not want to get up early. Okay? You are receiving. You're visiting. You're singing. You're going to church. There's lights. Um, you got snowmen, reindeer. You got blow-up figures all over your lawn that's you you are an overachiever you're like this is my season it's not football season for you 
It's not the beginning of basketball season for you. It's Christmas. And you're like, it's on! Okay? You are Clark Griswold. I hate you. (laughs) My grandkids come to my house. And they say, Grandpa, two houses up. That man has 27 blow-up things on his lawn. How come you don't do anything? And my wife goes, well... I say, because the twins aren't here. <laughs> Come on. I'm 58 years old. I'm not climbing up on that ladder, hanging up lights on that house. I'll die. But these people got like $400 electric bills for the whole month of December. I got better things to do with that kind of money. Maybe you're that person that's like, bah, humbug. Christmas. Man, I ain't doing Christmas. Hey, you, get off of my lawn. You tell those little kids, they knock on your door like, no, I'm not buying your Christmas cookie dough, candy stuff. Get, go on, you're trespassing. I don't want to come to your Christmas party. I don't want to sing jingle bells. I'm going to strangle you with jingle bells, you know? When you sing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, you were driving, and you know. Yeah, I'll take care of Grandma coming over to my house with all that. We ain't have no Christmas, okay? You're sick and tired of living next door to Christmas Village. It's like enough of that. And then there's that person that's like, well, maybe this is you. Well, you know, Christmas is not about that guy in the little red suit. That's what pagan people do, okay? Because Christmas is about Jesus. You know that? Christmas is about Jesus. You know, you know who that little guy in the red suit? His name is St. Nicholas, okay? And St. Nicholas, about 500 years ago, was arguing with another monk. They was arguing about the deity of Mary, Because how could something so holy as my precious Jesus be inside of that filthy womb getting her filthy blood, her sinful blood from her body? And how can she be deity or he be deity? And you know what that St. Nick guy did? Jumped up and punched that other monk right in the eye. They had such a fisty cuff about it that he spent the weekend in the slammer. Now, maybe that's who you want your children worshiping. But my children worship Jesus. Baby Jesus in the manger. Okay, we're not doing that other stuff. That's the truth. Regardless of where you find yourself in all of this, come on, I say, behold, Christmas is here. We're doing our Christmas outreach. We are going to affect people's lives. Little children, 20 to 25 more little children in Madison County. This is our third year, so that'll make 75 children over the last three years will find themselves in a bed on Sunday morning next week. Yeah! And it doesn't happen because the vineyard does it. It happens because you are the vineyard and you do it. You show up. You build the bed. You pray for the family. You give them a Bible. You give them a little stuffed animal. Each of you gets on a team that makes you so uncomfortable. But guess what? When you read the Christmas story, there is nothing comfortable about it. We should be uncomfortable at Christmas time as much as we are joyful looking towards it. I say, behold, the difference between people that are enduring Christmas and the people that thrive during Christmas is as simple as a plan. It's as simple as a plan. Do you have a plan for Christmas? Or are you just sitting here going, man, I have just got to get through the next 30 days of, of, uh, or 29 days of, of December? And I'm saying, why miss the days? Why not celebrate them? 
Why not thrive in them? And you can thrive in the Christmas season. Regardless of whether it's a good thing for you or a difficult thing for you, you can thrive in the Christmas season if you have a plan. You know God had a plan? You know, God, God is a big planner. He's big on planning. When we get to the place that, where the angel says, you shall find the baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths, do you know that that is just the evidence, the prophetic fulfillment of God's plan? Because thousands of years earlier, okay, Solomon takes over the throne from his father, King David. That's what happens, okay? And when he takes over, 10 of the 12 Israelite tribes do not want to follow him anymore. And they're what's called the Northern Kingdom. This is in the spirit of deeper 2018, okay? So Israel is one nation, 75 miles tall, 50 miles wide. Excuse me, 150 miles tall, 75 miles wide. Smaller than Rhode Island, okay? And so there's 12 tribes. And because these 10 don't like Rehoboam, okay, Solomon's son... Okay, they split off and they stay and they're the northern tribes and then you've got the two southern tribes and they become Judah. So sometimes you're reading your Bible and it says, and Israel fought against Judah. You thought, I thought they were all the same thing, you know, and it's like the only reason they're not is because there was a schism. They had a civil war and they weren't able to hold it together. That's that's the most simple way I can put it. In in the spirit of going deeper, that's information you have. King Ahaz was the king of the southern tribe. He was the king of Judah. He was the seated king in Jerusalem. Okay? And he was set against ten other tribes. Two of those tribes came against him. Okay? He's up there, and King Rezim of Aram, one of the tribes up there, okay, and uh, Pekah, actually, he was a prince of Israel, not the king of Israel, okay? They attacked Jerusalem. They're going to try to annex these other two tribes. They're going to try to bring the southern kingdom back together. And so they attack them. Here's the problem. They couldn't win, and they weren't going to lose. They just couldn't get anywhere. So these two kings came down here and attacked Jerusalem. King Ahaz, Ahaz is sitting on the throne. And all, he's like, oh, woe is me. But, but he's, he's holding his ground. And then Ephraim, one of the tribes, comes and joins itself to these two people. And suddenly there's way too many and they're going to succeed. And Ahaz cries out to the prophet. And he says, oh man, oh man. And he says, cry out to God for us. Cry out to God. This is terrible. This is terrible. And God basically says, stop whining and watch what I do. But look at this prophecy. A thousand years before. It says in Isaiah 7, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz through Isaiah. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest, depth, in the deepest depths or the highest heights. Ask me for a sign that you are not going to be overcome by these enemies. And Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Now, from the outside, that looks like a good thing, right? Don't put the Lord your God to the test. It looks like a good thing. When God tells you to test me in this, that is not the time to come to him and say, ah, you're going to have to prove it first before I will test you, or I'm not going to do that. And look what, look what happens. Look what happens. 
He says, but I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. And then Isaiah said, God is speaking through Isaiah, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of human beings? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign that you will not be overcome by the enemy. This is the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel. And he will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before that boy knows enough to do those two things, reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings that you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and the house of your father a time like any other since Ephraim broke away from Judah and he will bring the king of Assyria. So you've got this prophecy. Long before it ever happened. See, God was making a plan. <laughs> he said, not only am I going to save you, but I'm going to lay waste to these whole nations that are coming against you, these tribes of, of, of Israel. I'm going to lay them to waste. Ahaz was scared and didn't know whether he could trust the Lord or not. And Isaiah revealed the plan. You know, we plan for things in our lives, don't we? We plan for things. We plan for vacations. We plan for schools. We, plan, we have calendars for planning. We have meetings for calendar, I, I, uh, uh, meetings for, that need to be planned. I have people to plan for me, to put things on my calendar. We have work schedules. Y2K, do you remember that? Those of you that are old enough, Y2K. Man, did some people plan there, didn't they? Yeah, we're going to bail out. We're going to have to get off the grid, and you know, we're going to get our own uh, 500 kilowatt generator out there. We can power most of Weatherford, Oklahoma, you know, with this baby. Man, I was dealing generators out of the back of my my house one time. We just had an ice storm going into Y2K. Everybody was absolutely terrified. Preppers go nutso at that time. Are you a prepper in here? Sorry, I wasn't speaking against you. I'm probably coming to your house when there's a zombie apocalypse. Okay, but I'm just saying. All right. But what's your plan for Christmas 2018? What's your plan? <clears throat> Behold. Behold. Christmas is here. But what's your plan? How are you going to enjoy Christmas 2018? Listen, you may have lost a loved one, a parent, a spouse, God forbid, a child. You may have lost a marriage. I don't wish that on anybody but those things are not your identity they are things that you have been through and they should not steal your life I am not saying pretend they didn't happen I'm not saying that I'm saying how are you going to enjoy the days that lie in front of you and I believe it's going to happen if you have a plan if you make a plan, if you say, no, you don't understand, Joe, it's really hard, then I'm telling you, if you know it's really hard, make a plan now. See? Start now. If, when you say, no, it's going to be really hard, what you're saying is, I just let my emotions carry me along. And I'm not saying don't embrace your... I, listen, I see a therapist once a month. I would encourage you to. I'm just telling you, make a plan. Create a plan that keeps you sane. Survival plan for the holidays. Here we go. You ready? Make a plan. Create a plan that keeps you sane and don't turn away from it. So, what do you want to do this holiday season? Who do you want to see? Where do you want to go? What excites you about the holiday season if there's not too much pressing in? Or maybe you're one of those people that's like, man, I'm so looking forward to Christmas. Okay, what excites you about that? Make a plan. Okay? 
God planned, so I think planning is a good idea. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, the scripture says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God, in another version, says planned, but here we'll say prepared in advance for us to do. So before you were ever born, God planned for you to be part of more than a manger, to be a part of the Thanksgiving outreach, to touch somebody else's life at the gas pump, to help somebody else out at Walmart, to reach into somebody else's life and realize that life is not all about you. I was sitting with a good friend of mine who does not know Jesus, does not believe that there's a God in heaven, and has preached against it for years and most all of his life once he hit college, way back in the 60s. And you know what he said the other day? He said, I don't know if I have had impact on this world and other people's lives. And I got a chance to say, well, this is what I believe about Jesus. This is what I believe um, about when I fail and have to stand in the presence of Jesus. This is what I believe about when I succeed because of the strength and the energy of Jesus. And it's about Jesus for me. And I know where you are in that, and he heard me clear out. But people want to know that what they're doing makes a difference. And we've got to stop and say, God planned things for us to do so that we could make a difference. And that's why we do outreaches at this church, and that's why it's important. But seriously, if God can plan, we can plan. So give yourself the gift of seeing your therapist during the holiday season. Give yourself the gift of planning. I'm not seeing mine until after the holiday season. I'm too busy. You don't understand. Okay, I'm planning to be too busy. Say, make a plan. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through this year. You're going to enjoy this year. It's going to be a blessing. Now, once you've made the plan, define the boundaries. Define the boundaries. Listen, some of you have got um, 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 family members that are like Cousin Eddie. You know what I mean? You know. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Snots and, hey, Clark, we're here. Yeah, see? And you've got some of those family members. Some of you are like, man, it just, it's just going to be tough now. Our family's broken and this is going on. It's going to be difficult. I understand that. Listen to me. Define boundaries. Set some boundaries. You may do this, you may not do that. You can go here, we're not going to go there. We will only travel this many places. If that doesn't work, it's okay. All of my children cannot come home at the same time on Christmas Day. Four of them are married, one of them lives close by. I love it when they come in, it's great. But at the same time, I recognize there are other families, extended families involved, and I don't get everything I want. And for us as parents to put the screws to our kids, well, they got you for Thanksgiving, so why can't we have you? Who cares if they're there on the 25th? Let's just be honest for a minute. Man, I'd rather open my presents on the 21st. I would. <laughs> and you'd be like, are you looking forward to Christmas? Like, we had it. We did it already. What'd you get for Christmas? Well, let me see what I bought myself first because, <laughs> you know, you get to that age, that's how it works, right? I mean, there's, hey, honey, look what you got me for Christmas. You want to wrap that? Well, do you want me to wrap it? Yeah, I'll, the kids won't even know. I'll be so surprised when I open it. It'll be awesome, okay? That's how we do. We set boundaries, okay? Set boundaries. You can't attend all the parties. It's okay to say no. Listen to me. It's also okay to say yes. If Christmas is not a good time for you and being alone makes you wallow. Set boundaries. I will not wallow. I will go to the party. I will go to the parties. But you can't go to everyone. You can't go to all the relatives' house. Okay? And here's, here's a big one now. 
you can't do for everybody. You know how that works, right? You have a limited budget. You cannot do for everybody. Stop trying. I know, but they're going to hate me because I gave them a present. They're going to say, what's up with that? Then don't give them a present. <laughs> I don't care. But don't go into debt to try to make people like you because you gave them a present. Set boundaries. Except for me, that doesn't apply. <laughs> Blow the boundary. <clears throat> Set boundaries, okay? Don't borrow money you can't repay. Set limits on your time how far you can travel. And honestly, set limits on who can visit you. It's okay to say no. <clears throat> At the risk of, you know, trying to be careful here, you know, if, if you're in a broken marriage type of situation and it doesn't work for that spouse and you to be in the presence of each other, then get a mediator. Hand the kids off. Decide how you're going to do that so it's a good thing. Do not try to outbuy out your ex-spouse. Don't do that. Don't hate your ex-spouse in front of your kids. Make a plan. Don't do that. You are killing those kids. They don't deserve that. Okay? Take a deep breath and let it be okay for us to just move on. And we're going to do so with a plan. In the book of Luke chapter 5, it says, But the news about Jesus spread all the more, and so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. And Jesus set boundaries because it goes on to say that he separated himself and went out to be alone in the early morning, as was his habit. People wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to be healed by Jesus. They wanted to be fed by Jesus. They wanted stuff from Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm setting boundaries. I'm going up on this mountain. And his disciples said, man, people are looking for you. You see what he says? I get that. I don't care. I'm up here. I need to set boundaries. Slow down. Slow down. You can't do everything. And that's okay. Set your boundaries. And then finally, stick to your plan. Too simplistic? <laughs> Sometimes deep is just getting simple. Stick to your plan. What's your plan? When are you going to your mom and dad's? When are you going to her mom and dad's? What are you going to get the kids? What are you going to get the nieces and nephews? What are you going to get, you know, and it goes on and on and on. How much are you going to spend? What do you think can happen? How can it go? How are we going to recapture Christmas? The hardest part of making a win is sticking to the plan. Because so often, my wife and I are out the other day, and, and she's like, well, we got this dolly for this granddaughter, and um, we got this and this and this for that granddaughter, and well, it just seems... And I, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. She helps me stick to the plan as much as possible. Okay? I'm like, go ahead and get her that new car. I don't care. She's only five. We love her. Get her a new car. <laughs> She's like, we can't do that. It's like, well, tell her Grandpa wanted to, but Grandma didn't. It's okay. No, <laughs> no. Make a plan. Don't do that either. Okay? But you see, stick to the plan. It really is okay. Your parents will try to guilt you. They will. We have tried for all of our years never to be the guilters. Don't be guilted. All they're trying to do is get you to fulfill their need, their want. It's okay to say no if it's not part of your plan, and it's okay to stick to the plan. Many a person has fallen into the abyss called holiday because they caved on the plan. That's that's tweetable. 
many a person. <laughs> Can we just have fun at the vineyard? Can we just do that? Come on. <laughs> that was stupid. Okay, um, Proverbs chapter 4. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4 says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Make a plan. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established and don't turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Remove your foot from the things that are stealing the joy of just wanting to enjoy the life that God's given to you. The things that you've been through, the things that have happened to you negatively, the things that you have, the things that you've achieved positively are just things. They are not your identity. Get a hold of that thought. I'm not better because what I have. I'm not worse because of what's happened or what I've done. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. He came down here as a baby and the angel said, Behold, look, pay attention make a plan once you've made that plan stick to it make sure your plan make sure your plan is not an endurance contest if I can just get out the other side don't 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 enter Christmas that way make sure your plan has a joyful is a joyful plan of experiencing Christmas because my prayer for you is that God does something spiritual and you have what I'm going to call a behold moment during the Christmas season God's going to say behold when that person walks into your life in need God's going to say behold when that person steps up and says can I take care of that for you God's going to say behold when somebody pulls up and changes your flat tire God's going to say behold when somebody stops and prays for you to let you know God loves you God is going to say behold to you this Christmas season. Look for the Christmas behold moment. In Luke chapter 2, a man named Simeon, long, long, long aged in years, had a promise from God that he would not leave this earth until he saw the reconciliation. His name was Simeon. And basically he lived day and night, mostly day, in the temple waiting on the consolation of Israel. And in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 28, it says, Simeon, he took the baby Jesus in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples. <laughs> A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Behold, behold. My heart cries because it's a man that was looking for Christmas and he didn't know it. It wasn't Christmas. There was no Christmas in his day. But he was looking for God to come and say, Behold, in his life. And I want you to know that God wants to give you a behold minute, moment, day, whatever it is, as you come to him and say, God, 
what do you want? Not God, I want. God, what do you want? What do you want, God? Let God enter your life like he entered Simeon's life and give you a behold moment that makes Christmas something you never saw coming in 2018. What about that? We're going to go into this closing psalm, and it's a good one. It's going to wreck your heart. It is. It's going to wreck your heart. MJ's going to tear it up. I, I cried in worship practice this morning. I thought, wow, you picked the person, perfect person, perfect voice, perfect words. Holy Spirit, come and wreck our imperfect hearts because we need you right now, God, right here, right now, to say behold to us. This morning, these people want to pray for you. They want to pray for your Christmas. They want to pray for whatever you're going through. They want to pray for whatever you're celebrating. You just come up here and let them pray for you while we sing this song.